Welcome to the See the Upside podcast. I'm Nina, your podcast host. On the show, we dive deep into all the ways to uplevel your life with a focus on positivity and growth. Interviews with industry experts and innovators in the areas of wellness, spirituality, relationships, personal growth, and more shed light on all of the best practices. We talk about how to overcome obstacles, find positivity, and create and live an authentic life you love. Every challenge is an opportunity for expansion. That's what I like to call seeing the upside. Whatever challenges you've been through, be it divorce or otherwise, you deserve to discover and live your very best life. We're here to help you find it. Thanks so much for joining the conversation, and I really hope you enjoy the show. You can follow us on Instagram at c.theupside, on Facebook at c.theupside, and visit our website at c.theupside.com. On today's episode of Conversations with Carrie, a capsule series on See the Upside podcast, we're going to talk about how to honor and process grief and how to find meaning and appreciation in the endings of things that mean a lot to us. We've all experienced something in life that we've cared deeply about and had it somehow, usually pretty painfully, come to an end. We're going to discuss how to process feelings, honoring the good in things, and how to find strength appreciation, and meaning when things don't end up working out. Carrie's a life coach and dear friend of mine based in Laguna Niguel, California. Every conversation I have with Carrie is enlightening and inspiring. Hi, Carrie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you. I'm excited because our conversations, we, we have so many sideline conversations that I wish were recorded because we just dive deep into so many different topics. And this is one I know has come up for both of us multiple times recently, and we just help each other get to a good place when we're having a tough day with grieving or just kind of trying to figure out what's going on in our lives. So you want to dive in first? You want to pick a starting point for this? Yeah. So I just feel like the timing of this podcast is really good because I think collectively we're feeling and, and we're experiencing a loss of freedom due to living in a pandemic. And then we have our own personal journeys of loss and how we reconcile those, how we come to acceptance with the way that our life is. You and I were talking a little bit offline and, and really it's just when we don't accept where we're at, we create more friction and we can get in that feeling of being stuck and not being able to move forward. But acceptance, I feel is like really the key place to start in terms of being able to move through grieving, mourning, difficult emotions. I think, I think it's Peter Crone who's a really successful coach says that suffering is we suffer when we don't accept our reality. When we want our reality to be different than what it is, that's when we experience suffering So what happens when, even though you don't like the way things are turning out, even though you, it's hard to accept the loss of a marriage, a person in your life, what happens when we just come to the reality that this is the way it is and, and how we build and move forward from there is really the only thing in our control. Yeah. Well, I think acceptance is that kind of first stage of grief, but for me, it's the biggest hurdle. 
realizing, and it's not, it's not letting go because I think often when you're going through grief, that's something that people say a lot. You need to let go. You need to let go. Well, you don't, and you, you can't just turn your emotions off and let go. Cause believe me, if you could, I would do it. I mean, I've had many moments where I'm like, I just don't want this anymore. I don't want to feel this anymore, but it's in that honoring of the feeling that you, you can work through it and process your grief and get to the other side. Yeah. Whatever it is. I had to learn that the hard way. I feel like because I think we put so many restrictions on ourselves, like, okay, I'm sad. I'm only allowed to sat, be sad for X amount of time. And I just think that through everything that I've been through in my life, between my divorce, losing my mom to cancer, losing my best friend during the pandemic, and then just most recently, my grandmother passing away, they've all been like different in their own regard in terms of what I, and I hate the word lost or like losing because you're not necessarily losing anything. The dynamic is just changing. It's not like you can lose it and then find it got stuck on the cushions in the couch. Like, so the the word loss is interesting that something maybe we can uh, dissect a little bit more later, but I just think that there's so many varying levels of the way you're supposed to, the way you're feeling. And then what you think you should be feeling and where I got really stuck was putting timelines on it not allowing myself to feel the fullness of the emotion. And then I got really caught up in sort of that spiritual bypassing, that positive thinking bypassing where you're just like with positive thoughts, I can change my life or make anything go away. And really that tripped me up pretty good. It tripped me up for a while. I could feel the frustration building like in that deep part of me that I wasn't listening to myself. And, you know, I have children and if my child was to come to me and say, I'm really sad about this thing that didn't work out or that I put a lot of effort into or, or, you know, this disappointment, would I try to talk them out of their emotions? Would I tell them, Hey, but look, it's, you've got all this going for you. No, I wouldn't do that. I I would listen to them. I would support them. I would be there for them. I would, I would honor what they were experiencing and try to provide them comfort. Well, I wasn't doing that for myself, like not even remotely. I wasn't giving myself that gift of listening to my own pain. But I think when you're on a spiritual path, a personal growth journey, those messages are a little mixed, right? Because it's like, oh, you need to be positive to attract positive things. You need to see the good. But there's also the balance of honoring your authenticity to your truth, your real feelings. And that's been a real growth area for me. I love that analogy of thinking about your children, because I think we, we don't typically go so easy on ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. We expect so much and we don't allow ourselves that that grace. And I think that's a real personal growth kind of area to explore is how can you give yourself all that gift of grace, that, that patience, that understanding, that holding space that you need when you're in a difficult moment, what, you know, whatever that moment is. 
But I, I love that. I love that you, and as you know, as we both know, as you tell me all the time, like understanding and seeing things for what they are is the first step to being able to, to change them and mm-hmm. make yeah. it different for yourself. I just think there's so much we can learn about ourselves in our pain. I think we get so afraid to feel the fullness of the feeling of the disappointment, the frustration, the sadness, the sorrow of the loss. I mean, I just, I, both my divorce and my mom's passing happened right around the same time. I just felt so overwhelmed with grief about it all. And really afraid to touch it because I thought I'm going to go down the drain and I'm never going to come back out. And so that was a really big learning opportunity for me to really sit with that and realize um, you know, people who've done a lot of research, there's a lot of experts out there who've done a lot of research on emotions and we, we put a lot of parameters or judgments around emotions. So if you're feeling sad, we're like, oh no, don't, don't feel that. That's not a good emotion. What's a good emotion? Happy. So whenever you're having a happy moment, are you analyzing your happiness? Oh, I shouldn't feel that happy right now. Or, oh, you know, if I lean in too hard to this happiness, then more happiness might come. You know, no, we don't do that. But when it comes to sadness and sorrow and pain and frustration, we think, don't touch it. Don't look at it. It'll grow and you'll get stuck there. And it took me a long time to learn that the minute I allowed myself to feel the feeling, but, you know, I, I should preface this, like I, I allowed myself to feel the feeling without putting labels or judgments around it. Because I think the other thing you can do is you could say, I'm sad. And what does that mean? And oh my gosh, I'm depressed. Or do I need to be medicated? See, there's all this like external chatter going around. When I just let myself feel the emotion, almost as almost in like a meditative state, feel the sadness. Don't try to analyze it. Don't try to label it. Don't try to go to the dark side with it. Just feel it. Like in the most simplest terms, feel the feeling. And then it, you'll you'll find that it lessens and loosens. And on the other side of that is always an expansion. At least it's taken me so long to get there, but now, and I work with my clients on this as well, when they're so afraid, they're like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm crying. Or I'm so sorry. I'm sad. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the good stuff. You don't say I'm so sorry. I'm laughing. Like it's all comes from the same place. We, we label emotions and then, you know, you, we create these restrictions around us, letting ourselves feel. Well, I love what you said, the concept of not labeling it, not giving, not categorizing your feeling as not only not good or bad, but also it doesn't have to be happy or sad. Typically feelings aren't just one thing or another. They can be really complex and multifaceted and have lots of dimensions to them. And when you're grieving, you probably have a lot of those going on at one time. The other thing that I think is really important to address too, is not creating a timeline. There is no timeline. There is no time that you have to process grief. And I think everybody does it differently. Everybody does it differently for each different situation. There's no there's no deadline. Mm-hmm. And I've almost given myself 
I've gotten frustrated with myself for not processing grief for something fast enough. And it can be a year. It can be two years. It can be longer than that, where you're still experiencing feelings for something that maybe you don't even want to feel or uncomfortable or whatever. But I think the feelings, like you said, serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. Your pain is telling you something. It's telling you what's important to you. and there's so much learning and uncovering and discovering in that if you allow it. And I think that processing happens on its own timeline. You can't rush it. You can meditate and do a million yoga classes and run and hike a million times. You can go to therapy five times a day. You can do all the things and still only be moving so fast. And I think it's just your body and your heart's timeline is your body and your heart's timeline. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's certain parts of it that just never go away. Um, Yes. Learning to live with. Yeah. I will always be sad over the people who have passed. I mean, that's just a given, right? Not sad in the terms of that it brings me down, but there will always be this, this tender part of me that misses them. There will always be a part of me that will mourn the fact that I got divorced because there's still a part of me that wishes I had that family unit. And I don't wish it to the point where I'm letting it like dictate my life or not make me, you know, find joy or happiness. I can still do all the things. I think that's the interesting part about life is the polarity that you can hold two emotions at the same time. You can be sad about your divorce And also relieved or find joy in your freedom, or I can find all the positive things in the midst of the negative and vice versa. And so I think it's this, our ability that to hold both emotions is also really key to helping to transform our pain and, and just like, yeah, I think not labeling it is really important. I think making sure that we just leave enough space for everything that comes forward, not just the things that we feel good about. And we don't always have to be working towards a destination as well. It's like, okay, by this point, I'll feel this way. And then, you know, or, or, or I'll, I'll do these things or I'll, I'll, I'll be better. You're better. You're fine now. Well, I think you and I are spiritual doers, you know, we're like, give me the roadmap and the steps and I'll do it so that I can process and move forward and get the learning and go to the next thing. And I think this doesn't work like this. It just doesn't. And the sooner we find acceptance for ourselves and our feelings and our disappointment and our frustrations and our fears and our pain, the sooner you can
live with them, I guess, right? You can learn to honor them as, as a complex part of you and not need to try to get rid of them, quit trying to shut them that they're, they're all part of you. Yeah. I think when we, we become attached to that, we can become attached to a way of being. I think most people would find it easier to become attached to being down, sad, depressed. I mean, these are just labels, right? Victim. It's sort of easier to get stuck in those emotions. I don't very rarely do I hear people getting stuck in happiness and joy. Wouldn't that be great? One one learning I did have that came out of all of this, uh, all of the loss that I experienced was I did in a way create a bit of a relationship with it. So I I felt the love I had for my family and um, for my mom was so strong that I felt that in order to continue that relationship, I sort of had to hold on to that pain. And that was a really interesting, like it was very eye-opening for me. And I had to have a couple of people in my life reflect it back to me and just say to me, like, look, you're, you're a little, you're, you're sort of stuck. You're stuck in your grief. And I, and there was this part of me that didn't want to let go of it because probably because I was scared most likely about new possibilities, but also I just didn't want to let go of that love that I had for those, for those for the, for the idea of marriage for my mom, you know, and then going forward for, for the family and friends that I've lost along the way. And I just, it's just something to point out that you can sort of create a relationship there. You can build a home there and it's just not living life to the fullest. And it's not, it's not giving, it's not what the people in your life would want for you to get stuck there in that suffering, but it became comfortable and it became sort of my new baseline norm. So I had to take small steps in order to sort of reframe what I wanted my life to look like and have that love that I was feeling that I didn't know what to do with. Instead of having it sort of stay in grief, I had to expand it in other ways. How did that feel to have a family member or someone you love and care about tell you that? I mean, that's a difficult message to deliver, but it's also difficult to receive, to hear that. It was really hard. And I think anytime you get really defensive, when somebody tells you something, that's a pretty good marker or indicator that you should take a little deeper dive. (laughs) So I got really defensive. And every time I do that, I have to stop myself. Cause you know, if somebody told you something that wasn't true about yourself, you'd be like, okay, thanks for that feedback. I'm not going to accept it. But when somebody tells you something, you get really defensive and you feel like you need to sort of convince them otherwise, or you get really angry or fiery inside. There's probably something in there that you needed to listen to. My biggest takeaway from that, though, although the message was really hard, I realized that I was afraid to be alone. And I created this relationship with my grief, relationship with missing my mom, relationship with being sad about my marriage ending. And that was something that I could give time and attention to. And in a way, it made me feel less alone. And I think that even with some of the clients that I work with in regards to going through like a breakup, they've been dating for someone for a while and then they go through a breakup, they still continue to think a lot about their ex, not in an obsessive way, but in a compulsive way. And again, it comes back to that whole idea of what would happen if you were truly alone in this? in this space, in this experience is thinking about the things you lost, you know, compulsively making it so that you're not truly alone. 
And that was a really big aha moment for me where I realized it was just my fear of being alone and not having something to put my attention towards that almost in a way felt like a dynamic, like a relationship. And that's where I really had to cultivate my own self-love, my own self-compassion and build that relationship within myself that I'm never going to leave me. And I think that that was a hard lesson to learn because I think in my marriage, I did leave me. And, you know, there's sometimes that we do that in order to survive. You know, I've left the building. I, I had to sort of sacrifice my own needs, both when my mom was in hospice with cancer and then just to make my marriage work. I left myself. And so it just shows the complexity, right? So it's just like I had this relationship with grief. I was afraid to be alone. I had left myself so much in the past. I didn't know how to show up for myself. And so these were sort of the building blocks I had to start putting together in order to sort of dig myself out. I think the fear of being alone is really common. I think a lot of us have that. Why do you think that is? What is the fear of being alone? I think, well, I think as humans, we're meant to live in community. And I think we're meant to be in partnership. That doesn't necessarily mean romantic partnership, but like having people in your life that see you, that witness you, that are that are experiencing, you know, your reality through your eyes and they're sharing theirs with you. I think we're energetic beings. I believe we are all connected. And so the idea or thought of being alone means you're no longer connected to source, to God, to humanity. And then people, I mean, this is sort of a a deep answer to your question. It gets sort of, there's this whole psychological part of then what's the point? Like, where do I belong? Who are my people? Why am I here? And I think once we can cultivate that relationship within ourselves and also being aware that we're never truly alone ever at any time. There's always people in our lives and they're showing up for us constantly. But when we're stuck in our own grief and we're mourning, we've got these blinders on to what's happening around us. And when I really started paying attention, even if it was just at the grocery store where somebody would make eye contact with me and genuinely ask me how my day was. And there's, there's always these bids for human connection that are made by people that are close to you, that are checking you out at the market. And we get a choice to engage in those bids or say no to them because we feel we don't have the capacity to extend ourselves because we're in grief. And I think that that's why grief feels so isolating and we get so scared about being alone because we're the only ones experiencing the particular dynamic. I mean, even in my own family with my brother and dad, you know, we're also experiencing grief and losing our mom. My mom, like our experiences were so different from one another. So even though we had that commonality, it was all, it was also very different. It wasn't similar. I was her only daughter. My brother was her only son. So yeah, it's just their grief can feel very isolating. And I think that's where we get stuck in that whole idea of, of aloneness. And because grief is so heavy and when we're mourning, we're, we've got those blinders on, we're not, we're not noticing what's happening around us and those bits for connection. What do you think about gratitude coming into play in grief, does that have a role in helping pull someone out of grief? I don't think it should ever be used to pull you out of grief, but I think it can help you redefine your relationship with grief. I think in the midst, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of gratitude. I just, I feel like it's, 
I, I don't think it's underestimated. I know there's people preaching about it all the time, but I think that you can have a really sad moment in your life and still find beauty in it. And that's where gratitude comes in. And as long as we're not identifying in victimhood, then we're able to actually see the things that come out of it. And I think the whole idea of gratitude is just the willingness to see what else is happening. You went through a really hard time. What friends showed up for you? Did somebody drop a meal off on your doorstep? Did you get that random call from somebody? Did the person checking you out at the market say, hey, I, you've got a great smile or whatever it is. And so I think that there's moments where it's not necessarily that you need to find the gratitude. You just need to be open to it, to seeing things that are actually present in your life. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because I think people who have a gratitude practice are exactly as you're saying, they're, they're just noticing. It's not that their lives are different. Right. They're just developing an awareness of the good things that are happening all the time. There are good and difficult things happening all the time. Right. But I think sometimes when, like you're saying, when you're stuck in grief, you can just be blind to seeing it in that moment because you're just so in, in your own pain, I guess. Right. Yeah. You're identifying with the loss. So let's take divorce, for example. So you could be in your house and you could be alone and let's say you have kids and let's say they're with uh, your, your ex and you're sitting there and that painful, I'm not taking anything away from how painful it is to feel that way and to feel that the change in how your life used to be. And so you can either sit in that and you can detail out all the things you've lost, all the things that are no longer present, all the things that hurt, or you can try to find just the little the little golden nuggets of things that are great. Like I can spread out in the bed. My house can be a mess and nobody's going to say anything. I can eat what I want for dinner. I can watch that movie. I've always wanted to watch. I can read a book and not worry that I'm ignoring anyone. Those, those little moments like that. It's not, it shouldn't be used to displace the grief or to move the grief out. Again, it comes back to the polarity of life that you can have both. You can be so sad that your marriage ended and that your kids aren't home with you and that you don't have that white picket fence you had once had. I mean, I literally, Nina had a white picket fence <laughs> and I moved out. So I literally lost the white picket fence. I can be sad about all of that and still at the same time, hold gratitude. And I remember in the beginning, it was really, really hard because I sort of lost faith in life. And I think that's something we should you know, circle back to as well, just sort of faith that things not necessarily will get better, but that they'll change. That's just a guarantee. But there were times that what I did with my gratitude practice was I expanded it to be a little obnoxious. So instead of coming up with five to 10 things to be grateful for every day, I made it 50. And that's not to say that I could find 50 every day, but what making that number so high did was it made me have to to pay attention to everything throughout every minute. I mean, try to try to imagine coming up with 50 things you're grateful for every day. It's not something that you can be like, though the, the, the end of the day is here, I better jot down my 50 things. No, from the minute you wake up, you're like, wait, am I grateful for that cup of coffee? Am I grateful for that bird outside my window? Am I grateful for the friend that just called? Like you're, you're looking at the minutia of your life 
as gratitude. And I, that was really a, a, a powerful thing for me to practice. And then there was also being grateful for my sadness, for my pain, for my emotions, the times that I would cry. And instead of just making it where, and again, I've already touched on this, where I had to sort of rework my relationship with my sadness to not be stuck there. Now that I'm not stuck there anymore, for example, my grandmother passing brought up a lot of grief and mourning about my mom. My mom passed four years ago. My grandmother just passed away. And I was sort of in this, like this experience of like grieving both at the same time. They're different from one another and just allowing it and being like, wow, gosh, so beautiful. There was so much love there. I, I had these wonderful women that loved me. And I'm also really, really sad. And I'm also remembering this moment and how it shaped me and the, the, what, I, what I love and look up to about both of them. And it was excruciating. And my mom was gone before her time. And it really hurt my grandmother that she lost her daughter. Like all these things, like I'm holding it all. And I'm and it lightly, not tightly, lightly holding everything that bubbles up to the surface. And those bubbles eventually pop. And then you're, you're on the other side. It doesn't mean that those emotions completely go away. They're just sort of interwoven into the fabric of who you are, your capacity for compassion for others. I think that throughout everything I've been through and you've been through, I think it's just grown our capacity to really show up for others and, and hold space for them with so much care and grace. I think often that's, one of the major purposes of our pain is to help us understand each other and mm-hmm. help each, guide each other through someone else's pain. It can be, it can be that unless you do what I did, where you were in a relationship with your pain. And I noticed during that time when anybody would come to me with their, with their experiences, their disappointments their frustrations, their pain, their sorrow, I had zero capacity for it. I was at my limit because I was so connected to my own internal struggle that I had nothing to give. And that, you know, that's when that call out from a friend happened. And I had to really take a look at how tightly I was clinging to my sorrow. What do you think is a way we can show up for each other when someone you care about is going through a really painful period? I think that we're always so afraid of like bringing it up like, Oh, yeah. I don't want to bring up that you're going through that divorce or, you know, a friend is going through a lawsuit right now. I don't want to bring it up because I'm afraid I'm going to make them feel a certain way about it or remind them like you're never truly ever going to, rem- they're not never at any given time. Have I forgotten that I'm divorced and my mom passed away that I just lost one of my best friends. Like I, I don't ever forget it. And if you come up to someone and you just say, Hey, how are you doing? I know you just lost your best friend. And if that person starts to cry, this is what's happened to me. Like, well, I'll get a little choked up. And then my friend will be like, gosh, I'm so sorry. I brought it up. I shouldn't have brought it up. And what people need to understand is that emotion that comes up when the question is asked is always living there. They didn't conjure it out of magic. That emotion I'm expressing has always been there. It's on the surface, which is why it came out so quickly And truly one of the best ways to heal from painful experience is just to be witnessed, to have somebody sit with you and hold it with you and for you and not try to fix it and just be with it with you so that you don't feel so alone. Yeah, I think that is one of 
the things we as humans try to do is we're uncomfortable with difficult feelings and other people. And Mm -hmm. so we try to fix it. We try to come up with solutions or we, like you said, say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up, which is almost dishonoring it in a way or saying that it's wrong or bad that that the person you're talking to is expressing themselves. Or I've been in situations where someone will go, well, you need to remember all the good that you have. You've got the, so kind of discrediting your pain and your feelings. And that to me was one of the hardest things I, I heard and really had to create some boundaries with people who handled things that way, because it didn't feel good to be feeling real pain and have someone go, well, you need to be grateful. Well, you know, I was grateful. It wasn't that I wasn't grateful, but I was processing pain. You know, we all have different pain that we're processing and you don't have to have experienced the same pain to be able to hold space for someone to say, I care about you. You know, I I'm right here. I'm sorry. You're going through this. Yeah. That must've been hard for you. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I just don't think we give each other enough credit. If I don't want to talk about something just because you brought it up, doesn't mean you're forcing me to visit something painful. There have been times that I've had some stuff go down recently within my family dynamic. And I had a girlfriend ask me about it. And I'm like, I said to her, I said, you know, I appreciate you so much for asking because it means you're listening to me like you, 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 and you care, but I really, I don't want to talk about it right now. Let's just be silly and fun today instead. Like, I don't want to talk about the heavy stuff and they're appreciative because you were honest and I'm appreciative because a friend wasn't afraid to bring up a difficult topic. Um, I think that people who say to you or try to bypass your, your experience, your sorrow, your pain, your, whatever it is you're going through with, you know, telling you that you have legs and you can walk and you've got a house and you've got well, at least you have this. This is, that's what I used to get all the time. Well, at least right. you have uh, kids. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, it's discounting your experience. But really at the end of the day, I just, with those, with those individuals, I just, I felt badly for them because I felt like, gosh, if they can't show up for my stuff, they can't show up for their own. People can only, like you you'd mentioned earlier, people can only show up to the capacity that they've shown up from them for themselves. And if somebody can't, you know, hold that for you, if they're trying to fix it or, or whitewash it or sugarcoat it or whatever, discount it, then they're not doing that for themselves either. And so that makes me sad for them because when you can't show up for yourself, gosh, what a lonely feeling. Well, I think that is a learning process too, is learning how to do that. I'm still learning how to do that, how to honor my own feelings and not try to soldier on and see the good and, you know, just really accepting everything, the pain, you know, and I think sometimes it comes up when you feel like you shouldn't be having a reaction that you're having. When you look at a situation, you say, I shouldn't feel that strongly about that, or I shouldn't feel that sad about that ending or whatever the case is where you're not validating, but your body and your, your heart is 
exuding a feeling for a reason. And I think by, by pushing it down and not validating it doesn't help you process or understand it. You know, there's, there's a reason. And I think that's important is finding the understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Because there is so much to be learned about yourself and about the way it works and about the way that your heart can continue to expand and grow, even in the midst of having, you know, painful experiences happen to you. Um, I think we get really worried about being victims or staying in that victim mentality, but there's a difference between feeling your feelings and being a victim. Um, You know, as long as you're not putting blame on the other person for your emotions um, and you're owning them as your own, as a part of the fabric of who you are, like you were created this way. I was created this way. I am feeling these feelings. I am not wrong for who I am. I was not created incorrectly. I mean, that's one of the biggest foundations of the coaching practice that I was trained under is that we are all, we are all naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. We're not broken. We're not a mistake. We're not getting it wrong. We're not doing it wrong. We're just having a human experience. And so when we come to that acceptance of the way that I feel isn't wrong, let it move through me, let it teach me. Let it, you know, just the, the whole, the metaphor of a river, you know, traveling through rock or carving through a mountain is just that it, it's going to create new ways of being new learnings for you and acceptance of yourself. And then you're going to grow in your capacity to what you can hold and how you can support others because you did that for yourself. And the people who aren't willing to really look and see how they feel are going to find themselves placed in situations where they're, they've got a lot of confusion and or fear in their life. You know, I had a client who said to me, gosh, I can get through anything. And I wasn't discounting they could get through anything. But in order to create that kind of resiliency and that strength, you have to build that in within oneself. And creating that resiliency and strength is being really honest with yourself. That includes how you feel and accepting it and allowing it. And so if we're not allowing ourselves to feel the feelings, we can't truly get through anything because we're not even letting ourselves get through the thing that we just went through. We just think we are because we made it to the other side and we've managed to arm wrestle it to the ground for a bit. So I just feel that there's such an importance in just really self-acceptance of our feelings, even if they feel irrational, even if I'm in the middle of like doing something and I get struck with a thought or a feeling or an emotion or a memory. And it brings me back to that spot. I just allow it. I just allow it. I don't judge it because. Yeah. I was just going to say no judgment. We need to stop judging our feelings, but just allowing and maybe getting away from the thinking that pain is bad. Right. And hard feelings are not necessarily bad. No, they're an emotion. What are emotions? Happiness, joy, sadness, disappointment, frustration. There's thousands of emotions we can experience and we only judge the, what we consider the bad ones or the, the ones that are more difficult. We never judge the good ones, but they all come from the same place. There's not like a separate yeah. box in your body where the bad quote unquote bad emotions come from. They're all, it's all part of the human experience. You cannot experience joy until you've really felt pain. Like you just, you don't know how good it can be until you've really allowed yourself to accept the, the complexities of who you are. And in order to get through, maybe get through is the wrong state. So in order to make choices 
for ourselves in the future that are healthier, we need to really honor where it is that we've come through from and what we've learned. So I think I, I'd sent you a quote, like when we were first discussing this topic that from Peter Crone, again, who's an amazing coach, if you haven't checked him out, past pain informs future fear. So if I have not processed my pain, it's going to inform my future fear. So if I feel that I haven't processed my divorce, I haven't processed the pain of what it felt like to lose someone. And I'm sort of stuck in whether it's victimhood or blame. I'm not taking responsibility for what I did. I'm putting all the blame on the other, on my ex. I am also terrified that this thing that I had faith in that fell apart that how can I trust anything? So now I, now I'm sort of creating what my future is going to look like. Right. And then at the same time, I really want another relationship yet. I've got all this unprocessed pain. And so it's informing my future. It's creating my future for me until I actually look it straight in the eye and I feel my way through it. And I find out what the gifts were not in just the pain, but in just the overall experience and what I learned about myself and how I grew and became more resilient and wise and compassionate. We're, we're going to continually trigger ourselves and get tripped up on the same things over and over again. Yeah. It's interesting how we continue patterns. And when we don't take the time to process our pain and heal that we just keep like a magnet going towards the same thing over and over again. I know. Yeah. And it's like, I thought I learned this lesson. Well, Apparently not one, two, uh, <laughs> did you really let yourself feel into it? Did you take responsibility for how you showed up? Did you let yourself feel the regret? Cause there's a lot of regret that comes with, you know, mourning a loss. Like if I had only done things differently, if, would, would that have changed things? And really just letting ourselves feeling that and letting it go in such a loving, compassionate way. It's okay to feel that way. When we have regrets, instead of beating ourselves up over them, use it instead as a marker to show you like what's really important to you. Like I have regret over this because it meant something to me. And there's a part of me that wished I could have done it differently, but I didn't. And I, here's what I learned from it. And here's how I'm going to apply it going forward. Yeah. I love but you got to let yourself feel that. Yeah. Oh, to yeah. get to that knowledge. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing more uh, uncomfortable than regret. Yeah. So are there any resources or books that you recommend that are helpful for managing grief that have maybe worked for you or that you've heard of that are good? There's a couple books I loved for me personally, because my mom had cancer and that was sort of like an ongoing journey. I loved option B by Sheryl Sandberg. It's a great book on grieving. I think when it comes to the whole self-acceptance of who you are, which I do feel is such an important facet of, of grieving and mourning and moving on. I think the gifts of imperfection by Brene Brown is phenomenal. Another book that was helpful for me, if you're, if you're interested in sort of a spiritual path is when things fall apart, heart advice for difficult times. That's by Pema Chodron. Great book really great book, great book on learning how to center yourself and sort of rebuild when things fall apart. Yeah. Those would probably be my, my top ones at this point. 
You know, there's another good book. It's not necessarily related to if you're on the spiritual path and you're looking for a really enlightened book that discounts a lot of spiritual bypassing philosophies and really gets you to a true place of acceptance with your life, especially when things haven't gone very well. There's a great new book by Matt or Matthew Kahn called The Universe Always Has a Plan. I loved that book. Quick read and a really amazing perspective on that you can't mess it up. You really can't mess it up. You're you're constantly going to be provided with lessons. It's not your karma that bad things are happening to you, but it is an opportunity for you to learn and grow and expand because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's learning to our expand to expand ourselves. And I don't mean in a woo-woo way. I mean expand your capacity to feel, expand your capacity to love, expand your capacity to be resilient and find hope and faith and stand up for yourself so that you can stand up for others and be a champion of this human experience. So that's what I mean when I say expansion. So that's a great book as well. So good. I love the word expansion. I think Mm -hmm. it's so applicable to what you and I are really all about is just, Absolutely. yeah, learning, I, growing. Mm-hmm. My other favorite word is unfolding. Like mm-hmm. life is continually unfolding. And we think, oh, this is where I'm at. This is where I live now. I'm a divorcee. I've lost a bunch of people in my life. Like, here's where I'm at. I'm going to just set up shop here. And it's not that. It never is. It's always unfolding. And anything could happen. And so again, not to, not to bypass what you're experiencing at any time, but you can feel the pain and have hope. You can just feel so utterly desolate and have moments of beautiful brightness where it could be as simple as a friend, you know, dropping off something for you or a butterfly landing on your hand, or like it could be the most tiniest of things. But if you can just hold both, try to hold both. That's, that would be my, my biggest takeaway from today is that you can have it all, all the experiences. And at the same time, well, don't you think that sometimes in the hardest moments, it's the littlest things that give you the biggest rushes of hope that are hard to quite appreciate when things, when life is easy and going well, you know, Mm -hmm. that butterfly isn't going to mean as much in your daily life as it will when your heart is breaking. That yeah. maybe it gives you the appreciation and awareness in those darker moments of the beautiful things that we have. Right. I think when we're in pain, we slow down. You yeah. Know, we can't run off, rush off to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. We slow down. And I, I remember trying not to slow down. I think you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, like you do the yoga, you do the thing. I would just try to kill myself on these really long hikes. And I'd be in the middle of the hike, just breaking down. My body was just like, please stop torturing us and just listen for a minute. We're trying to talk to you. We're sad. We're tired. You can hold space for yourself. It's like almost like giving yourself a hug. Like you can hold that for yourself and you can show up for yourself and you can listen 
and it's not going to be who you are forever, but it will teach you and it will grow you. And you'll learn how to honor yourself so that you can honor others. I think, you know, my, I, when I ask myself at the end of the day, what is it that I really want to be able to do? And that's help others. And if I can't listen to my own pain, how could I ever listen to theirs? Yeah. I think sometimes when we slow down, we are able to push forward our progress in ways that we can't by like pushing and grinding and doing and going that by stopping and being still, we actually progress a million times faster because we're allowing it to progress. Right. Whereas all of our intentions and all of that are, are almost bypass, like you're saying, spiritually bypassing. But yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and openness and vulnerability that I love so much. Love these conversations. I still wish our secret conversations are recorded, not secret, but our side conversations were recorded. Our our normal check-ins, we need to just start recording. I know we really should, but then they might not feel as natural. So I like both. We'll do both. I'm not giving up either. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on. And I really hope that this helps your listeners know that they're not alone and they never are and that we are all complex, beautiful creations and we're not getting it wrong and, and we are not broken. We're learning. Yeah. So good. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Nina. Thanks for joining today's episode of See the Upside podcast. For more details about today's guest and show notes and links, visit our website at seetheupside.com. You can find us on Instagram at see.theupside and Facebook at seetheupside. If you love today's show, please spread the light by giving us a rating or sharing it with a friend. We appreciate you so much and love sharing the positivity with anyone who could be inspired by it. We're all on a beautiful journey and it's so much more fun doing it together and sharing our stories with each other along the way. Can't wait till next time.